The Church Media Podcast, episode number 41, 10 New Faith-Based Films Your Team Should See, part two. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for creating dynamic experiences and building solid production teams at your church. Video, audio, lighting, stage design, volunteer culture, and more. You can find the show notes for this episode at 1230media.com slash podcast. And now, broadcasting from the heart of the South, here's your host, Church Media Coach Carl Barnhill. Welcome to episode number 41 of the Church Media Podcast. Thanks for listening to us this week. This is the definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences at your church and build solid media production teams. And speaking of those media production teams this week, I'm going to resource you with five more faith-based movies that would be great for your team to see. Now, like I I said last week, I want you to be armed with great content to put on your team Facebook page your team emails, your Twitter account, and however else you communicate with your team, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, Part of pastoring your people first is providing them with great content that's positive and productive, whether that be prayer requests or encouragement, books, devotionals, movies, and more. I want you to have stuff to share with your team. You can always follow us on social media for our latest blog posts and podcast episodes, uh, and more, all of which have tons of free content for your volunteers. We're not trying to sell you anything. Our Twitter uh, handle is 1230media. Now, this is a little bit different. Uh, The word 12, the number 30, the word media. The word 12, the number 30, the word media. That's our Twitter handle, 1230media. And we're on Facebook at fb.com forward slash And this one's all spelled out, the word 12, the word 30, the word media, fb.com forward slash 1230media. Okay, if you missed last week's episode, feel free to check that out as I gave you five new faith-based films that don't suck. (laughs) They're actually pretty good. Be sure to scroll back and listen to that episode in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or we embed the audio on our website at 1230media.com forward slash podcast. That was episode number 40. This one's episode number 41, so be sure to click on those episodes and get this free content for you guys. Uh, This week, I'm giving you five more movies that would be great for suggesting to your production volunteers. I also want to resource you with behind-the-scenes clips, interviews, social media images, and more. We are loading up the show notes page with a bunch of free stuff, so be sure to check that out. The first movie on my list this week is a movie that came out last year called Captive. Now, it's the powerful true story of Ashley Smith Robinson, who was held hostage in her own home for seven hours by a man named Brian Nichols. She had the opportunity to witness to him using the book The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. She ended up walking unharmed out of her house. It's a remarkable story. I recently sat down with Ashley to discuss letting Hollywood bring her story to life. Here's a clip of the movie and some of my conversation with Atlanta hostage hero Ashley Smith Robinson. Check this out. Mommy. (laughs) Hey, baby girl. I love you. I love you too. 
I'll send my prayers for you. I hate this car. I lost everything. My husband's dead. And they said I was an unfit mother. Took away my little girl. Have you heard of this book? Help me. You're late, Ashley. The lady dropped this off for you. I had a son. I had to break out. Breaking story right now. Police looking for this man. Murder suspect Brian Nichols. I want eyes in the sky. All choppers up now. Let's flush Nichols out. My name is Ashley Smith. I'm a mother. I don't trust you, Ashley. You skin again, and I will have to kill you. I need to see my daughter. You're not going anywhere. God, please help me. You call me out upon. What is that? What are you doing? Just a book. Read it to me. You want to know why you were placed on this planet? You must begin with God. He expects you to make the most of what you have been given. I haven't been given anything. You have a son. Christopher, it's your daddy. You're gonna hear some bad things about me. Whatever happens, I love you, little man. The greatest tragedy is not death, but life without purpose. I don't know, but maybe God can. Hey guys, Carl Barnhill here. You may remember in March of 2005, Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life made national headlines when a man named Brian Nichols escaped from an Atlanta courthouse, and after murdering four people, including a judge, he forced his way into a single mother's home and held her hostage for seven hours. Ashley Smith Robinson, by her own account, is far from an angel or hero, yet today her face is known around the world as that single mother who persuaded Nichols to surrender to police. The new movie Captive is based on Ashley's story and opens in theaters nationwide today. Ashley is joining me on the phone to talk about her amazing experience. Ashley, I'm honored to speak with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. Now, there were lots of things in your life at the time that you were also held hostage to. Tell me about what your life was like at the time that, that this experience happened to you. Well, at the time, I was uh, battling an addiction to meth. Um, my had lost my first husband to a, a murder, and as a result of that, I uh, had turned to drugs and, and been kind of on a downward spiral. I had lost custody of my two-year-old little girl and, and was just really in a miserable place in life. Now, you grew up in a Christian home. Tell me about how you strayed from your faith and how God used this and possibly other events in your life to, to draw you to himself. Yeah, I definitely um, was raised in a Christian home. I accepted Jesus as my Savior when I was seven years old. I went to private Christian school. But as a teenager, um, when I was about 17 or 18 years old, I began to to, dr to do drugs. And, uh, you know, all of my friends were doing it. It wasn't hurting anybody. And so... I started to participate in that, and um, you know, I, I would say that it was pretty much socially for for the from maybe 17 to to 22. But when I was 22 years old, my my husband um, 
was murdered. He was stabbed to death, and he died in my arms. And, you know, after that happened, um, I think I began to use drugs to cover up any emotions that I felt negative, um, negatively. And and um, it seemed to be a way of life for me, the only way that I could make it through a day. And, you know, once things turn um, to that to that point in your life, um, it's really hard to break free from. So um, that's kind of what was going on with me. And one thing I found interesting is that maybe someone from the outside would look at you at that point in your life and say, she's just had her child taken away, she's using drugs, there's no way she's seeking after God. But that wasn't true, was it? No, it definitely wasn't true. I mean, I, I didn't want to be in the place that I was was in, but, you know, when when all you do is wake up and think about how to get high, um, and, and know that you're a Christian, um, it's a really hard situation. Uh, I, I really honestly thought, um, I began to believe Satan's lies, um, that God didn't love me anymore, that I had made too many bad choices, and, and that there was no hope for me anymore. But but I knew that there was something better and something different. And, you know, in 2005, February of 2005, I, um, I went home to Augusta from Atlanta where I was living at the time and I went home to Augusta to visit with my daughter Paige and it was there that my aunt invited me to church. Um, I hadn't been to church in a really long time but she enticed me by saying my daughter would be there and so I went and um, it was there that the pastor um, introduced the Purpose Driven Life and on front of the Purpose Driven Life it says what on earth are we here for and you know that really was a, a question that I wanted answered in my life because I was a drug addict, but I was also a Christian wanting to put the drugs down and get back to God. I just needed help in doing so. Now, throughout the seven hours that you were held hostage, you went from thinking, this man's going to kill me, to reading your devotional, basically, to him. How did you get from that point? What was the progression? Well, um, you know, during that night, Brian Nichols asked me if I had any drugs in my apartment, and um, I did. Uh, he actually asked me if I had any marijuana, and all I had was meth. And in an attempt to do everything that he said when he asked for the drugs, um, I told him that I had them because I didn't want him to find them later on and think that I had lied and not cooperated with him. So when he asked me to get the drugs out for him and set him up, he had never done meth before. Um, he asked me if I wanted to do it with him. And it was like three times that he asked me to do it with him. And I really believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Brian Nichols wasn't asking me that question, but Jesus Christ was asking me that question. I think he was asking me, did I want to do those drugs? Um, because if I wanted to do the drugs, he was going to bring me home. I was going to die but if I wanted a different life, the choice was mine. I could choose not to do them, and he would give me a totally different life. And I looked at Brian Nichols, and I said, whether I've got five minutes to live or whether I've got 50 years to live, I never want to do those drugs again. And by the grace of God, he set me free. I, you know, I haven't done drugs since the day before Brian Nichols came into my life. And, and I really believe that after I said no to the drugs, God gave me his eyes because I began to see Brian Nichols through the eyes of Jesus as opposed through the eyes of a human being or through the eyes of Ashley Smith. And, and I, you know, I, I think that I began to see that he was a sinner saved by God's grace the same way I was. We had both made bad choices in our life. You know, he had brutally murdered four people, and, 
and rightfully so should be punished for that. And and I chose drugs over my daughter and was being punished for that. I didn't have custody of her and was living a really miserable life. And so I began to see that when it all boiled down to it, when it was through the eyes of God and when through the eyes of the person that really matters, we were both just sinners saved by God's grace. In doing so, um, I think I saw him as a human being and started treating him like a human being. And thankfully, he was was receptive to that and, and respected me and um, was positive for me. Even to that, in the morning, you cooked him breakfast and, and uh, mm-hmm. fed him pancakes. And so tell me about the risk right right around that time that you took in telling him that you were leaving and to go see your daughter. How did he react to that? Um you know, he he asked me um, he asked me if there was well, actually, I'll go back just a second. You know, during that time when I cooked him pancakes, he showed me this um, this wallet of the eight of the um, the agent that he had killed, and and it it really bothered me because it was then that it kind of set in, and I said to him, you know, you've just killed a, fa- a possibly a father, a husband, and and you could never imagine what it's like to go through that, and. I showed him my husband's um, death certificate and told him that, you know, those victims' families were going to have to go through that. And um, you know, shortly after that, he asked me um, what time I needed to leave to see Paige. And of course, you know, not being funny or anything, I kind of looked down at my watch and was like, um, "Now looks yeah. like a really good time." You know, uh, now please. Now would be good. Yeah. Um, but he he really just let me walk out the door. He gave me. Um, he gave me the battery to my phone, and he gave me um, gave me some money actually that he had, and said, "I'm not gonna need not gonna need this. Maybe you can use it." And I just walked out of my apartment the next morning, um, free as can be. Now, one thing that was really fascinating is you get in your car at that point, you drive down the road, you turn the corner, you call the police. And I, I read that you had a moment of, of almost like you kind of felt like you were betraying him. Uh, yeah. Well, later on, um, when we got back to, um, you know, we, I had they made me take them. Uh, the police officers made me take them to see the truck to find the truck first because they didn't really believe me at first. They didn't believe that he was in there. But when we got back, um, of course, the place was surrounded with police officers and. Shortly after that, Brian Nichols came out with his hands up, and they put handcuffs on him and walked him down this hill. And you know, I kind of thought at first, did I, did I betray him by turning him in? And it was a very quick thought because <laughs> I, I quickly said, of course I did not betray him. This is a man who I didn't know, who took me hostage in my own home, who had brutally murdered four people, and I totally did the right thing. I mean, I, I basically told him he needed to pay for what he did, and he had to turn himself in. And if he wasn't going to go with me to turn himself in, then, then I was going to bring him to him. Again, I had the opportunity to, to see the movie this week, Captive. Um, how accurate was the movie? What, when did they take creative license, and when was it real? Um, you know, a lot of it. I would say the majority of it was very real. Uh, they they didn't and uh, go very far from, from it not being true. There were a couple of scenes added for dramatic effect, which was difficult for me at first to watch. Um, but as I watched them the third, fourth, fifth time of watching the movie, I began to realize that um, those added effects or those added scenes 
they told true emotions of things that I was feeling at that moment in time or or something that Brian Nichols was acting or something like that. And, and I began to see that it was necessary. Um, what were those scenes? Um, two scenes in particular. Um, there was one scene where I was trying to crawl out the bathroom to escape, and that never happened because there wasn't even a window in the bathroom. Um, and another one was when we went to go take the truck. Um, there was not another man. My car did not break down, and um, although it could have, um, <laughs> it didn't break down, um, and, and there was not a person that stopped and asked if I needed help. Uh, those are just two specific ones. Mm. What did you think about Kate Mira and the other cast members? Tell me about your involvement in the process of making the movie. You know, they all did a phenomenal job. And I think what stood out to me the most was, you know, when, when you're when you're on the outside looking in and these are Hollywood actors and you don't, you know, you don't really know much about movie making. Um, to you from the outside, it's about them doing their job and them making a paycheck and, and you know, and the day's over. When I went on set and I began to realize that they weren't there necessarily just to make a paycheck, um, to me it felt like they were more there to tell a story to help other people. Um, and I think that was really important and really touching to me was because they had so much passion in their hearts um, and in their actions um, in playing the in, in playing the roles and in getting the film made. And it was just really touching to me that they cared that much about the story. My next movie is a very interesting take on the crucifixion and resurrection story. It's a film called Risen. It's about a Roman tribune named Clavius who is tasked to find the missing body of Jesus. The film stars Joseph Fiennes and Tom Felton, who you may know as Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies. Remember him? Uh, It is extremely well produced. You're going to Love this film. I want to share two different interviews on this movie with you. One is from the film's editor, Stephen Merkovich, which I think you'll find very interesting, especially if you do any editing yourself. And the second is my interview with producer Rich Peluso. You can catch my full interview with Rich on our blog at 1230media.com forward slash risen. We'll get you there directly. Behind the scenes of Risen. Check it out. The Nazarene city'd rise again after three days. We will lose peace and order if it's true. Will the people believe it? The weak will. There will be no other gods. My name is Steve Merkovich. I am the lead picture editor on this film, Risen. As editors, we all bring something a little bit different. If there's 10 people in a room and they're given the same film, they'll get 10 different versions of that film because we all tell a story a little bit differently. It's all about story and structure, mining the best performances, make it cohesive, make it play in the most interesting way possible in the least amount of time. Because the performances were all so good that some of the difficult parts was actually cutting the picture down because you go, ah, everybody has a different scene that they love. There was about 100 hours of, of film shot. Out of that 100 hours, I ended up with a cut Originally, that was two hours and 37 minutes long, and the finished cut was an hour and 40 minutes long. I was brought on by Mel Gibson to cut down with him a lesser violent version of The Passion of the Christ so that it could open it up for a wider audience. 
how do I take 110 on-screen, say, uh, scourging hits out of a movie and still not lose impact and bring it down to, I think we brought it down to less than 20. In the, the comparison for Risen, when we as a company addressed the PG-13 issues, recut scenes not to lose impact just because visually we don't need to see a spear go through somebody to understand that somebody's just been hit by a spear. And it was constantly thinking about how we can show the result and we can imply and we can sell our point without actually getting graphically violent. You know, whether you're religious or you're not, it doesn't matter with this film. It's about, you know, it's just an uplifting story. It, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel hopeful. It's just one of those experiences when you walk out of a theater that you really feel good. You remember the music. You remember the performances. Out of death can come great life, you know. It's about the uplifting nature of human nature, you know. It's a film that, that everybody should see. Hey guys, special treat for you today as I welcome by phone Rich Peluso. Rich is the Senior Vice President of Affirm Films, a division of Sony Pictures Entertainment. Affirm focuses on the development, production, and marketing of faith-based and inspirational films. He works with writers, directors, and producers at all stages throughout the production and distribution of some of the movies we love. Movies like the number one box office hit War Room, Heaven is for Real, Courageous, Mom's Night Out, and the list goes on. He has two powerhouse movies in the queue this year, Miracles from Heaven starring Jennifer Garner and Queen Latifah, and Risen starring Joseph Fiennes and Tom Felton, which opens in theaters nationwide today. Rich, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with me today, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. Now, for those who haven't heard about Risen... Uh, tell us a little bit about the movie. Give us a quick snapshot of, of what the movie is and what audiences should expect. Sure. Well, I guess the best way to describe it is that while most movies about the life of Christ end at the crucifixion, uh, Risen begins at the crucifixion. And uh, it, it really it turns the story around in a different way because, you know, we experience, uh, we experience that period of time through the eyes of, of an unbelieving Roman military tribune named Clavius, uh, who is second to Pilate, and who is uh, really charged to find the body that's gone missing and to, to kind of quell this uprising, this spiritual uprising that's happening. Uh, and it's, it's, it's quite dramatic, especially for, for Christians who know and love the story from Scripture, to see it through these different eyes and, and the things that are happening around it. Uh, truly is an, an intersection of scripture and historical fiction. Now, our, our podcast audience and, and blog audience consist of church media uh, staff and volunteers. Uh, why should a, a volunteer team or volunteer teams at churches go see this movie together? What, what do you think they'll be talking about when they leave the theater this weekend? Well, you know, I think, um, I, I think it's best, in, instead of me trying to concoct a, an angle on this thing. I think it, it's a good idea to communicate out what pastors and leaders are telling us after they engage with a film. They're telling us two things. Number one is, um, for, for the body of Christ, for believers, for Christians, um, this is a refreshing, exciting new experience 
um, in reliving the story, this incredible story of, of the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension, um, because it's told in this different way. And so it's just like this fresh air that pours over you. Uh, and it's just very engaging. Uh, it's very uh, uplifting and encouraging. So just, just for Christians, it's a great experience. Um, and it's also something that they can feel very confident in terms of the production value and the talent and the acting, everything involved, in inviting friends that maybe aren't familiar with the story or, or, or not churched. Um, and then the other thing is for, for unbelievers, as I mentioned before, that you know, pastors have said it's a very accessible story, and so people don't feel threatened. Um, I will say that you know, when, we, when we test our films, all of our films, some of our tests are done with people who are not Christians, just to get a feel for how they respond. We usually have very high percentages of those people that feel like they were, they, they kind of felt a little preached to, or was a little heavy, you know, in terms of uh, religion, quote-unquote. Um, with Risen, we have the lowest number in all of the films we've tested in terms of, of non-Christians um, feeling like it wasn't for them. Like, it was... They, they really liked it, and so we, we feel it's really broad. So I think as these church media folks and, and other leaders within the church go out and see it, um, I think they'll be very pleasantly surprised, encouraged, and my hope is that they will then help spread the word about the, what a great um, ex- entertainment experience this is, but potentially a, an outreach uh, tool for, for, the use, uh, for use by the church. Movie number three this week is God's Not Dead 2, starring Melissa Joan Hart, David A.R. White, and Jesse Metcalf. I saw a preview screening of this film while I was at NRB in Nashville a few months ago, and it was released in theaters in April. It's still in some theaters now, so be sure to check your local listings to see if it's still in your area. Uh, The film is about a school teacher who mentioned God in her classroom, and a student uh, gets out her phone and, and records it. And, uh, but the student was asking about Jesus as a historical reference. So it's a, it's a courtroom uh, drama uh, movie, and it's uh, very dramatic. You're, you're going to uh, really like this movie. Now, the teacher is brought to court and is put on trial for the incident. It's mostly, uh, like I said, a courtroom drama. It's mixed with some humor, and uh, just a, it's just a compelling story. The acting is really good in it. The production quality is high. It's definitely worth a watch. Check out this clip of the movie, and I'll be back with movie number nine on my list in just a minute. Hit it. I hate what people like your clients stand for. We're going to prove once and for all that God is dead. You're passionate about what you believe. I mean, let's face it, it's why you're in trouble in the first place. A student asked a question about remarks allegedly made by Jesus, and your answer incorporated scripture itself. Yes. What were you thinking, Grace? I gave an honest answer to a student's legitimate question. I am not going to be afraid to say the name Jesus. They're asking that you be fired plus revocation of your teaching certificate. You're on your own. So what's the good news? I don't like to lose. They've been dreaming of a case like this. They want to make an example of you. Her true motivation was to take an innocent question and turn it into an opportunity to preach. The message of the gospel has a standing in a way of a lot of things that powerful people want. We're at war. 
Norton, Madam Thawley versus Wesley. Mr. Kane will insist faith isn't on trial here, but that is exactly what is on trial. If we grant Miss Wesley the right to violate the law, then our society will crumble. The four Gospels contain the actual words of Jesus. You're looking to prove Jesus Christ existed? That's ridiculous. If we're going to insist that a Christian's right to believe is subordinate to all other rights, then it's not a right. Somebody is always going to be offended. decision. I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's... God bless you. Careful, or you might end up on trial. He's living on the inside, rolling like a liar. God's not dead. Surely... All right, movie number nine is The Young Messiah. This movie hit theaters in March of this year. It tells the story of Jesus as a little boy. It's rooted in scripture and is produced by well-known producer and director Chris Columbus. Chris directed Home Alone, Miss Doubtfire, the first two Harry Potter movies, the action movie Pixels, and more. The movie stars Sean Bean from Lord of the Rings, National Treasure, and other uh, big-budget films. It also stars Vincent Walsh and Adam Greaves Neal in the title role. Check out this clip of the movie and visit theyoungmessiah.com to learn more about the film. One morning my room filled with light and it spoke to me. It said that from my room would come a son. You, named Jesus. I was just 14 when you were born. A girl, really. Why did God choose me? What if I'm not strong enough? We must trust God every day. What do we tell our little boy? How do we explain God to his own son? Keep your power inside you until your Father in Heaven shows you the time to use it. There are rumors of a boy born in Bethlehem. You have your assignment. Go! Go! The Messiah is born. The star has been seen. He will deliver us. You seek your family from Nazareth with a boy named Jesus. Lord Father in heaven, guide me on this path. He is not just a child. We're down to the last movie I want to share with you that I believe your production team should see. It's called Miracles from Heaven. 
It stars Jennifer Garner and Queen Latifah. I saw this movie a few months ago, and as a parent, it's really powerful. It's based on the incredible true story of the Beam family and their 10-year-old daughter, Anna. They discover she has a rare, incurable disease, and Christy, the mom, goes on, the, on a big search to find a solution for her daughter. Then Anna has a freak accident. She falls three stories inside a hollowed-out tree and is miraculously healed. Here's some clips from the movie. Check this out. Let's do Benjamin Franklin. An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Okay, listen to your teachers. Love you. Love you. It's a good life. <laughs> it's a good It's a good life. When Anna got sick, I just couldn't understand it. Why was this loving little girl going through this? I think your daughter is lactose intolerant. Acid reflux. Everything looks okay. Everything's fine. Everything is not fine. There's something wrong with our little girl. Mrs. B, you, you need to calm down. I'm not leaving this hospital until I know what's wrong with my daughter. Unfortunately, the tests confirm that she's very ill. There is currently no cure for Anna's condition. Doctor, please, this is our little... Girl. I'm scared, Mom. Me too. We're not giving up. Like a small boat on the ocean. We need a solution. We need it now. And we'll get it. How? By not losing our faith. How long have you been married? 14 years. Free her from this. Can you even hear me? baby girl fell 30 feet, she hit her head just right, and it didn't kill her, and it didn't paralyze her. It healed her. Yes. Well, that's impossible. This is a little hard to believe. There's a lot of people out there that are just looking for publicity. A lot of people think we're crazy. You either roll with it or you get rolled on. Who told you you'd be fine? I recently spoke with Hollywood exec Devon Franklin, who produced the film. We talked about bringing the story to the screen, what attracted such big names to the project, and how the film deals with God's unfailing love. Here's what Devon had to say. Devon, thanks for hanging out, man. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, man, thanks for having me. So glad to be here. Now, I want to start by talking about this movie, Miracles from Heaven. Tell us about the story yeah. of the film and how you got involved with it. Yeah, Miracles from Heaven. I'm so excited about this movie. You know, it started as a book proposal that we got, that I got, uh, man, back in August of 2014. We, as a studio executive, one of my last films that I worked on and oversaw was Heaven is for Real. And that movie was so successful that we all were talking about, you know, well, is there a, another story that could follow, be a great follow-up to Heaven is for Real. 
and we found this story that Christy Beam had wrote called Miracles from Heaven. And it was a powerful story about Annabelle Beam, who was her daughter, who suffered from an incurable stomach condition. And through the faith of her mother and a miracle from God, uh, Annabelle ends up getting healed. And once we saw that, it was just, it was so powerful, we thought that this would be the right follow-up. We developed the script. We got Patricia Riggin, who's one of Hollywood's top uh, directors, and we made the film with Jennifer Garner this past summer, and now it's getting ready for release in uh, for Easter, March now, 16th, the week before Easter. Now, this is a, the, uh, a faith-based film, and uh, starring uh, Jennifer Garner, as you said, Queen Latifah, Martin Henderson. What attracted these big-name actors to this film in particular? You know, what, I'm, what I have found, you know, my number of years being in Hollywood and making a lot of films like this that have messages of faith and inspiration that can cross over to a mainstream audience that, you know, talent like a Jennifer Garner, you know, when they read the script and it has substance and it means something and, and there's also a great character to play that is a wonderful showcase of all of their gifts. And in addition to that, it feels very commercial. I think that the combination of those things and the fact that there's a story that is life-affirming, that's family-affirming and faith-affirming, I think it's a combination of all those things that make stories like this very attractive to big-name talent like a Jennifer Garner. Now, you answered this question on your blog, and I wanted to uh, ask this to you. And I think a lot of times in church world, people can just uh, produce faith-based content and kind of look to other churches on what's good and what's not. And I think you mentioned something great in that. In church world, we need to be looking at not only great churches that are doing great things, but masters of, of craft in our field no matter uh, really if they're believers or not. Like, I want to be, as a believer, I want to produce great content. I want to be good at what I do. And I think that's going to earn the respect of uh, not only believers, but but non-believers as well. Speak to that, and should Christians only produce faith-based content? Um, Yeah, you know, I I love to talk about this because, as I mentioned, I said, you know, Jesus didn't come with the faith-based gospel. Uh, he came with a message and a gospel that would change the world. And I think that when it comes to filmmaking, we need to look at making great films with great stories and not try to limit what those stories can do because we only see them very narrowly. Uh, the Bible says that we're supposed to go ye therefore into the world. And so if we're going into the world and we're supposed to win the world, then we need to look at filmmaking as an opportunity to do that. And part of the way that people are going to be compelled is through high-quality production, great storytelling, and great characters. And I think that because the faith-based genre has become uh, this kind of business that sometimes we only preach to the choir. And there's nothing wrong with certain films that do that and do that well, yet we have to also begin to balance it out so that there are other films that are designed to live in the mainstream, to live you know, in the general market that can reach people who may never go to church. There's a lot of people out there who, who for whatever reason may have been raised in the church, but they've gone away from the church, and, but they still want their family to have these Christian values. And I think that when we tell great stories and great characters that are able to live these themes out through the course of the story, and you combine that with great filmmaking and great storytelling, I think then you'll see, even with the movie like Miracles from Heaven, the result is a film that people feel like they can be included in, not a film that excludes them. And then once they get through the end of the journey, they're much more likely to be open to messages of faith than if it was designed to make them feel badly about not having as much faith as they probably should. 
The 10 new faith-based films your production team should see. War Room, Princess Cut, Adrenaline, Audacity, Woodlawn, Captive, Risen, God's Not Dead 2, The Young Messiah, and Miracles from Heaven. Links to all these movies and links to free resources that you can use to share these films with your team are on the show notes page for last week's and this week's episode of the podcast. Just go to 1230media.com forward slash podcast, click on episodes 40 and 41, and you'll be good to go. Well, that's it for us this week. I hope you've enjoyed learning about these movies, and uh, and I hope they're great resources for your production team. Remember, pastoring your people is so much more than telling them what button to push on Sunday. We have to pastor them. We have to be there for them. We have to talk with them, hang out with them, provide resources for their spiritual growth. Pastor your people well. They'll remember it. Also remember, we give away lots of free resources and content that will help you as you minister to your team and create experiences at your church. Visit our website, 1230media.com, for blog posts, podcast episodes, ebooks, and more. And we'll be glad to produce some custom media content for your church if you had that need as well. We offer affordable sermon bumpers, promos, countdowns, motion backgrounds, and more. We have sermon series packages, get this, as low as 299 bucks. That's it. It's all custom just for your church. You get a bumper, a countdown, a motion back, and a steal. It's a great deal. 1230media.com is where to go. As always, I want to thank my producer, David Michael Hyde. David is a master composer and music producer. He writes music and does custom audio work for film and digital media. DavidMichaelHyde.com is his website. Be sure to check him out today. Thanks for listening this week. If you would, sometime today, go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. We would really appreciate that, and it helps our ranking in the iTunes database. It also allows more churches to get this content for their teams. Simply search for the Church Media Podcast in iTunes and leave a quick review and rating for us if you would. Next week on the show, I welcome the highest grossing female comedian of all time. Not Roseanne, not Ellen, not Rosie O'Donnell. No, 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 no. The highest grossing female comedian all time of all time is a believer. Her name is Shonda Pierce. You may have heard of her. She'll be here to talk about producing her latest documentary, Laughing in the Dark. We're going to have some laughs and learn from Shonda about how she has created some fun experiences with her comedy concerts all over the world. Uh, She might cry with this too. The documentary is very, very touching and moving. Don't miss that next week. Have a great week, guys. Go out there and create some amazing experiences this Sunday. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Get the show notes for today's episode at 1230media.com slash podcast. And be sure to rate and review this podcast in iTunes. For more free church media resources, visit 1230media.com. We'll see you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.